The best way for you to keep up to date with the Manson Podcasting Network and all of our new podcasts is by subscribing to our free weekly newsletter, Company on Sundays. Companyonsundays.substack.com. This is Company. I'm Sky Manson. There's no denying it, today's guest is infatuated with routine, systems, and being organised. Bridget Johns lives on a broadacre cropping sheep and goat farm in the York Peninsula of South Australia with her husband and two children. She's a mother, organisational expert, a grants writer and founder of Be Simply Free. Bridget teaches women to go from being time poor to time rich by decluttering their homes, phones, calendars and minds. Don't know about you, but I certainly need a Bridget in my life right now. What I've also found fascinating about her is that she's driven by data. So as you'll hear in this interview, many of the things she does in her life are formulated with reference to data. The time she gets up, for example, 4.44 a.m. on the dot. But please don't let you turn all this super uber organization off. It's true, I don't think I've ever met anybody so organised, but I'm very, very glad that Bridget Johns has come into my life and I most certainly am taking heed from her approach to managing her farm household. So we're on a broadacre cropping farm at Alford. So it's a, a blink and you miss it town. Uh, and most people probably have never stopped in there, but we're near a lot of the, the tourist towns of Kadena, Moonta, Wallaroo. So we've got beautiful beaches surrounding us and then the Clare Valley. So some people may have had some of the Clare Valley wines. We see that over in the distance. So it's a beautiful spot to live uh, and almost creeping up to more time in the country than in the city. So being a, a city slicker who moved to the country and then married a farmer. Oh, wow. So where did you grow up? I grew up in Adelaide. So Adelaide's just over two hours from the farm we live on now. And I never expected to be a country girl, but straight out of uni, I took a job in the food industry. I'm a food scientist by trade. Three months later, met my now husband at the pub. So the initial plan was to do a year or two country stint to get up some experience and then head off to Melbourne, Sydney or London. But yeah, fell in love with a wonderful farmer and did quite a bit of a career pivot into more project management roles. And uh, recently during COVID started my own business. A food scientist. That sounds yes. so cool. What what kind of work did you do? So a food scientist is the person that helps uh, make sure the food is safe to eat and is stored in a way that looks visually appealing to you and, yeah, is safe basically. So it's the food marketing, it's the statistics, it's the physics, the biology, food safety of everything. So at university I figured that was a career that was going to be always in demand. We always need food uh, and I was having two high school science teachers as parents. I sort of wanted a bit of that science route and went down the food technology and management route and supported my first job out in the country was a food industry development officer. So I supported local farmers to consider ways to value add and add more profit to their businesses locally rather than um, exporting their commodities. Oh, cool. What kind of businesses did you work with? What were their names? 
Uh, they're on the, more of the micro, the micro business level. So it was even just getting them to think about um, starting at farmers markets, and then they worked up to develop some. Um, there were some chocolate businesses I supported in there. There were some rabbit <laughs> businesses okay. there as well. So and some catering businesses as well, using some local salt because we have a salt works here on the York Peninsula as well. So. Yeah, it's a, a very interesting industry and I did that for a couple of years and then moved into economic development, supporting businesses, which led into my grant writing, but a common thread through everything was the project management, which is basically organising in a business context. And then with changes in government, I wasn't enjoying the, the government role that I was doing and I thought if time and money were no object, what would I do? And it would be professional organising. So that's how I ended up where I am now, but then... As a risk-averse person, I still work part-time as a grant writer as well for our local council. So I'm a bit of a jack-of-all-trades, but using all my skills locally and I can do it from our beautiful farm. And you've got it all under control. (laughs) (laughs) Well, not really when we were just saying that our power went out 10 minutes before this interview. So it's all about pivoting and (laughs) dealing with what gets thrown at you. (laughs) So you're an organisational expert now, but what exactly is that? Yeah, so professional organising is probably the the most familiar term, but again, it's a newer industry for people to consider. But if you've seen anything on uh, Netflix, like the home edit, that style of decluttering and organising things in pretty boxes and Marie Kondo with her sparking joy, they're sort of the the bigger names or Peter Walsh. He was Oprah's organising decluttering guru back in the day. We've got the TV show Space Invaders here in Australia. That's sort of the the bigger names, but we have professional organisers all around Australia and there's actually an institute of professional organizers which I joined when I first started researching this and yeah we've got our code of ethics and we're all about supporting people to declutter not only their physical spaces but thinking more broadly about decluttering their calendars and their minds so we hear a lot of talk now about the mental load and all the the thinking we need to do to get the family out of the door like dentist appointments what are we having for tea where the kids and family members need to be on different days of the weeks, who's planning for our holiday, what do we need to put in place. So what I do is support people to take the time to stop focus notice, which means to stop doing the same thing over and over again, focus on the issues and take the time to think about them and notice what options we have for doing things a bit differently. So hopefully um, lives can run smoother and there's less physical stuff in our home so we can collect more moments, not things. What kind of people come to you? Initially, most professional organisers go into people's homes and physically move things around like you might have seen on TV shows. But being based in rural areas and most like to get to my nearest town is about a half an hour away. So I was very um, mindful of the model that I wanted to set up. So I work with people over Zoom um, over a three-month period. So the people I'm working with are wanting to make a habit change and make a mindset change. So this is not just someone coming in and changing their spaces But then a few weeks later, things come back and clutter rebuilds. So what we're doing is really coaching people to think about what they want their life to look like in five years time, one year time, and giving them the space to actually 
talk to someone and talk through these different options and I give them suggestions for ways that they can um, streamline different areas of their lives, their physical rooms like their kitchens and kids' clutter and kids' toys, but also how to set up their calendars so they're not saying yes to everything. We are sort of in a bit of epidemic of yes, 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 we're so busy, but I'm helping people to really declutter their lives. So I'm working with um, people over in Ireland at the moment generally um, it's women who have families their kids are sort of in that primary school age or getting to the empty nester stage and they're wanting to do something differently and they're feeling burdened by all the stuff around them and looking for a, a different way to make a change that's so cool and so where do you start do you start with the spaces before you work move on to the calendar I'm really for it's not a cookie cutter approach and we sort of take the lead from the client. But from a broad perspective, people may have seen of like the wheel of life activity where you sort of look at all the different elements of your life and sort of rate them out of 10 to get a picture of different things, sort of like romance, your friends, your health, your finances and those type of things. But then I also think about a wheel of home. So it's about thinking about all the different rooms in your home and rating them out of 10. Everyone's version of a 10 out of 10 room is different, um, but it just gets people thinking about our spaces because we live on this hamster wheel that is life. We are so busy that we don't even think about what we want our physical home to look like sometimes or what we want our calendar to look like and what we can actually outsource to other people to do or delegate to family members. I think sometimes we get caught up in thinking, oh, it'll be quicker if I do it. But if we take the time to teach people in our family how to do a really good way to free up our time because we have 1,440 minutes in our day. So I try and break it down to what can we do with 1% of our day? That's 14.4 minutes. So just thinking about just under 15 minutes, everyone can find 15 minutes in our day. And a good place to start is our social media use. If we just even dropped our social media use for 15 minutes or dropped out some of the TV that we watch, we can make a little change to our um, physical environment or the way we're setting up um, our time. And yeah, we can um, make a change for the better. Just in my mind, absolutely (laughs) buzzing. (laughs) So what's the, like, how did you arrive at this at the organizational expert field and what kind of training do you need to do or maybe you don't need to do anything yeah so I've always been that organized person I say that but I probably wasn't as a kid I probably wasn't as organized I think I was that procrastinator organizer so uh, you know, when you're studying and your space is a mess and you don't want to study, so you actually end up cleaning your bedroom. That so, is so me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, procrastinate. So I was probably a bit like that, but friends always ask for ideas and things like that. And it was actually a ski injury that when uh, we have an annual family holiday and we involve the kids in choosing what we do and we save up for a year or so to make that happen. So we went on a, the kids wanted to see snow when they were four and six. So we saved up and went to the snow in Falls Creek and I injured my knee and I actually started an Instagram account called Farmer's Wife Minimalist Life to share my rehab journey and try and keep accountable. But I was sharing how I was adjusting things in my calendar or setting up our morning with the kids and people were really interested in that and that was as I said 2018 but it wasn't till the 21st of May 2019 that I was writing out some goals I know because it's in my um 
in my little um, uh, journal there that I write down 10 dreams that I want to make happen, but I write them as if they have happened. And on the 21st of May, 2019, I wrote down that I wanted to be a professional organiser. So that's when I went and joined the Institute of Professional Organisers to actually even see if this is something I wanted to do, attended their conference to meet people doing this actual job. I also completed Beautiful You Coaching Academy um, life coaching training just to get some understanding of those questions and ways to encourage people to think of the options that work best for themselves. And then I have a diploma of positive psychology and well-being that I also completed in 2018. So it talks about all the the theory and the evidence-based research around what we can do to support our mental wellness, the positive end of the psychology field. So, yeah, and then I suppose that's teamed with my 16-year professional, uh, my career in state government doing project management work, which is really just organising in the business context. But why do we not do it in our personal life? We are so invested or there's people keeping us accountable in the uh, employee well but what if we translate and put some of those practices into place in our personal life if you think a lot of businesses have those whip meetings a work in progress meeting at the start of each week to just get everyone on the same page I'm working on this you're working on that this is what we need to do together why don't we have a whip at home and I'm sort of encouraging people to think at about you can just call it a family meeting or a little little catchphrase I'm trying to use at the moment is like the mental load meeting get it out of your head, sit down with your partner and your kids, explain everyone what they're taking the lead on. My kids do their own lunch boxes and pretty much run themselves in the morning. There's still some yelling sometimes when they don't do it fast enough. But like what can other people do in your home so it's not all held in your mind and you're physically not doing it all with your hands. So, yeah. Are you insanely organised? Is every minute of your day organised? Yes and no. Sometimes it is. If you see my calendar, it's very colour coordinated. coordinated. Yeah. yeah, well, I'll share some pictures with you and I'll, when we um, go live, I'll share on my Instagram as well. But it's colour coded so that red in my calendar is one-on-one time with my husband. Orange in my calendar is family time. So while you might see a lot of colour in there, it's not probably the traditional stuff you would see in a calendar. It also has some time booked out in the morning that I can't work between 7 and 8 a.m. That's when it's kid time. So it's blocked in my calendar so people can't book appointments with me and things like that because, as I said, there's only so much time in our day and sometimes we over-anticipate what we can get done. But if I feel that if I can see it all in my calendar what needs to be done between 4 and 5, I'm grateful that I can adjust my workload around bus pickups and things. So I block that out so I can't be working Uh, with clients and things like that but I also put cleaning in there because that's probably something that that needs to be done or tidying and I have 15 minute blocks um, morning and afternoon Monday to Friday morning so Friday afternoon and all weekend no cleaning happens no washing happens majority of the time so that yeah I'm looking after future Bridget uh, at the start of the week and each night so weekend Bridget is collecting moments not things. Oh, wow. (laughs) Do you ever feel like constrained by your time formatting? Like what if you want to just be a bit loose and carefree and change the schedule randomly one day? Definitely. Yep. That just deletes. Well, my day's thrown out of whack because I don't have power here. (laughs) So 
I'll shoot into our local town library and do a bit of work this afternoon, which actually may work in my favour because there'll be less distractions around for me. And the kids might get a nice surprise. They get picked up from school rather than being on the bus. So while I enjoy structure, I like structure because it gives me that flexibility. I'm a grant writer for our local council, but I do pick up some consultancy grant writing work. And I've got two grants that are closing in the next eight days. So my weeks are a bit out of whack that I'll be doing some evening grant work at the moment just to make sure we meet those deadlines. But then on Thursday during the day, I'm catching up with some fellow business owners for a business lunch. So I can always see in my calendar where the color, the purple is my grant writing time and the green is my declutter coaching time. So it might not look like a traditional diary of nine to five for work hours, but that's because I want the flexibility to yeah, have a, a Thursday lunch with some fellow um, women in business. So I'll do a little bit of work into the evening on um, Tuesday night. So that's the flexibility that planning gives me. And is the main benefit for you that you do clear your mind? So you've decluttered everything because mm. it's all organised. And then if things do go haywire, you've got more mental capacity to yeah. deal with that. Because if you think, if people aren't aware of what needs to happen around me, so I know that I need to get the kids off of the bus today. Um, but if something happened, I might be able to let my husband know we need to swap that around. But if at the start of the week, we generally have that chat on a Sunday of who needs to do what. Uh, if I've got night masterclasses that I run on Zoom, my husband will need to take the lead of looking after the kids that night or if it's seeding and harvest time or shearing time on our farm, he's not as available as he normally is. So it's about sharing that load. I think we as uh, women and we, a lot of us are taking the maternity leave and have that initial time with the kids. So we're the ones that know everything that happens in our kids' life. And it can be easier for us to continue to do everything for our kids, plan all the appointments and things like that. But if we can slowly make the baby steps and the shifts that husbands and kids can take the lead on different elements in our lives, it can help us all reduce that mental load. And one of the strategies I talk about, um, like Sunday afternoon, uh, we try and like reset the house. And I said, we're not doing general housework on the weekends because when I stop focus notice, I was spending a whole Saturday cleaning our house and doing five loads of washing, but that's not how I want to spend my weekend. So we've moved it into to little pockets Monday to Friday morning. So now we have the weekends free, but then we live in our house. We don't live in a showroom. So the houses need to be reset. So on a Sunday afternoon, we'll pop three songs on Spotify. So that's roughly about 15 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes. And everyone for people in our family, I have a 10 year old, an eight year old, and a husband and myself. So we'll all shoot around the house and reset the rooms, put things back where they belong. So we're all spending 15 minutes of our own time, but that means I'm not spending an hour of my time to do the same amount of things. So we can all use 15 minutes and then have 45 minutes to do something as a family. So it's about rethinking about our time. Yes, it would be tidier and more perfect and um, everything back in its exact spot if I did it, but I'm much happier to be teaching my kids that they need to take responsibility for tidying the home they live in as well. So that's yeah, how we try and do it. How long have you been living by this structure and what have you noticed from your old life to your new life? Yeah, so what actually happened was I 
had gone back to work. So I went back to work when my kids were both about 10, uh, 10 months old into the education department, supporting wellbeing and engagement in uh, school students. And I can rattle off everything we need to do for our own wellbeing, but I was not following it myself. I was working part-time, but trying to do a full-time workload. I was at work, so I wasn't at home full-time, but I was still trying to do everything around the home because I could when I was at home. I could do all the, the cleaning and things like that. And I went to a meeting talking about Are You OK Day and what we were going to do to support people's resilience in the community and remind them they can take steps to look after themselves. But then I got back in the car and um, I burst into tears. I was like, I am nowhere near a level of a breakdown or thinking of hurting myself, but I need to look after myself now so I don't get to that level. So I called my boss in tears. Again, we're on the York Peninsula, so two hours from my boss in Adelaide and just said, I'm not coping. I'm, I've am i got too much stuff. I can't think. The load, that mental load was too much for me. And she helped me to really think what our priorities were for the role and what I could strip back and allocate to other people to do. And then I went home and burst into tears to my husband. And he's like, I'm here. Like we can do this together. It's it, You don't have to take it all on. And I think a lot of women do just hold that all in their head till it gets too much um, and explodes into a burnout or something even worse. But if we can communicate and share how we are feeling, what our biggest challenges are and what we want support with first, we can take those baby steps. So that would have been 2000 and late 2014, 2015, Mm -hmm. and then we've taken that baby steps. And now it was, yeah, 2020 when I launched Be Simply Free. So I'd been doing it for around five years and I still continue to evolve it. And as I said, it's about making these steps work for other people. So it's not a cookie cutter approach. So what's the difference in how you felt then to how you feel now? The difference is... I feel free and hence the name be simply free of my business, wanting people to think of the free, the freeness. We don't have to do it all. Interestingly, as I've gone on this self-discovery journey and stripped back the things that I do in my life, my husband has by osmosis taken it on board. And I think in farming families, we feel like we need to get bigger, 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 take on more land, take on more people into our business. But as my husband's gone through his own evolution, we've we've reduced the amount of farming land we take on. We've reduced the amount of employees we have because we just bought a caravan. We want to have some time so we can go off and explore um, around Australia as well. So we don't want to get too big. So that time and really learning to say no has probably been the biggest change. I'm not looking after everyone else's expectations. I'm not keeping up with the Joneses anymore. We are following the life we want to live. Luckily, we're surrounded by lots of people that have similar values to us, but sometimes I say no. And I've just recently pulled back from some volunteer commitments as Be Simply Free is going through some growth and I don't have the time to do everything. So in this season of my life, I'm pulling back from a volunteer a board position and hopefully I'll be able to go back to it in a couple of years time but my priorities right now are taking on the momentum of the growth of my business. Now you get up at 4.44 a.m in the morning. And Most just, of the time. <laughs> yes oh well with the onset of the Manson Podcasting Network's Daily Routines podcast which has been so well received and I just feel like now I'm actually mulling over these early mornings and the way that people structure their days so much. So tell me, like, why do you get up that early? 
I was a night out till five years ago. So there is possible change if people want to make it. Um, and I'm adoring listening to the daily routines podcast. It just fascinates me and I'm loving hearing everyone's thoughts. So for me, it was that as I was going through these changes and wanting to find this time and work out what my priorities were, I realized that I was having all my self-care after the kids went to bed, but that was at the end of the day. And the only energy I had to do things that I wanted was to scroll social media or watch some TV pre-Netflix days, but watch TV on the uh, television. And I thought, I want to give myself the best of me, um, not what's left of me at the end of the day. So slowly, I felt that I had more energy in the morning and I was more motivated to do things that were probably going to move me forward in my life. So exercise and reading. And that's actually how I started my business. When I was working five days a week, I'd do a little bit of time in the morning. But it's not about saying, okay, I currently get up at 7am. I'm now going to get up at 4.44. I literally use the strategy of changing my life by 1% of my day at a time. So I got up 15 minutes earlier, remembering 1% of your days, 14.4 minutes. So over a couple of year period, I think it was about two and a half years, I slowly got up earlier. So 6.45 meant that I got a hot cup of coffee without the kids leading my life. It was me choosing to get up rather than having a kid next to me. Uh, then I decided to get up at 6.30 and I had a bit more time to myself. I probably did a bit of social media scroll. And then I got up at 6.15 and went for a walk in the morning. And then I decided to get up at 6am and do some journaling beforehand. And then I decided to get up at 5.45. So you can see it's just about seeing what you want to add into your morning. So I definitely don't encourage people to get up at 4.44. Uh, it's about finding out what they want their life to look like and little tweaks that they can make so that they can do more of the things that bring them joy. And I know with young kids, it can feel like the kids are up with you and they're getting up at 5am anyhow. But yeah, we worked with the kids and I would send my daughter into my bed to snuggle my husband so I could get a bit of alone time. But then some mornings I would have two kids with me, but it was also sharing with them this is our calm time. This is when sometimes I'd have them reading next to me or I'd be doing some cross stitch, which is a, a form of self-care that I do. And they learnt that this is um, me time, mum time. And from 7.07 when their alarms go off, that's when we switch over into, okay, these are the things we need to get done to get out of the door on time. So I would say a lot of mums say they don't have any time for me time, but the what I've done over a couple of year period to get 4.44 to 7.07 most mornings, which is almost two and a half hours to do something for me, is unimaginable for people. But you can take those baby steps to work out, even if you want an hour or half an hour for you in the morning, give it a go trial it out. If it doesn't work, you can revert back, but also you can think that you want your time in the evening and that's perfectly fine. You might enjoy that, but just make sure you're crafting out some time for you and you're doing things that bring you joy rather than maybe the mindless scrolling and TV watching. I have to exercise all my restraint to not ask you what you do in the morning, but I'm going to save that for your episode of daily routines. <laughs> but I love how you put that that and you're right like at the end of the day there is a bit of time for yourselves but there's not a lot of energy there so and I, and I just love what you had said about that but and how what do your evenings look like now like aren't you tired <laughs> <laughs> yes the most important thing and literally in my diary is sleep and recharge time so I block out 9 p.m to 4 44 so 
it's a reminder and an alarm goes, well, not alarm, a reminder goes off my phone at 8.30. Like if I'm sitting at my computer doing some grant writing, it's like, okay, I need to be charging down and looking after myself. So afternoons, the, the kids get off the school bus around four. So I'm in mum mode there and the kids are taking charge of unpacking all their stuff. Husband or I will cook tea that night and we still aim even with a 10 and 8-year-old to have the kids moving into calm down time, 7, 7.30. They're in their rooms. They're not going to sleep, but they're both enjoying reading uh, in bed on their on their own. And then I do a 15-minute reset of one of the, the spaces in our home, so the toy room or the office or the bedroom. So that's done sometime between 6.30 and 7.30. The kitchen's reset each night, so I've got a clean kitchen to walk into the next morning. And, again, the kids and husband um, can help out with that. Sometimes I do it on my own. Sometimes they do it. I never want to reset the kitchen. I hate tidying, but future Bridget is always appreciative of walking into a clean kitchen the next morning. So oh, you're so right. <laughs> <laughs> then each night, that's my self-care I read rather than watching TV. So I'm not anti-TV. I adore TV. I love watching my podcast, but I do that Friday night and over the weekend. I read some trashy farm romance novels or I'll read a nonfiction learning book as well. I sort of alternate between those to read each night. And that makes me fall asleep sometime between 8 and 10 p.m. So there is a flex in there. I do some evening masterclasses and when I've got international clients, sometimes time zones mean that I'm doing evening calls. So there's flex in there. And if I end up doing grant writing till 9.30 at night, I do not get up at 4.44. I let my body have at least seven to eight hours sleep at night. But I'm four weeks post-COVID, I'm needing 10 to 11 hours some nights. So as I said, I'm still getting back into my early mornings because the energy levels and that brain fog are still impacting me a bit post-COVID. So again, flexibility to make changes and listen to your body and look after future you. So I love what you said about the TV. So you don't do it during the week, but you save that for Friday, Saturday and Sunday evenings. Yes. Yeah. Does that and that's a whole family. Husband as well? Yeah, whole family and the kids. So oh again, this was... How did that go yeah. down initially? Really surprising, actually. So this happened when my daughter was four and my son was six and I was studying my diploma of positive psychology. <laughs> but I said I had no time to do my study and then I was sitting on the couch next to my husband watching Trashy Married at First Sight and I'm like if I add all these up throughout the week I'm spending six hours watching TV but I'm telling myself I have no time to do this study and I was getting frustrated myself but then selfishly I probably didn't want to have my husband or kids watching TV uh, while I was doing other stuff so we literally had a family meeting we sat down with the kids we tried to I suppose not make it fun but at that stage my daughter was at kindy and they have a chairperson and things like that so we sat down one of the kids was the secretary and one was the chairperson and we all shared how TV was impacting us, obviously led by me. And I said, what about if we try not having TV Monday to Thursday and Friday after school, we can watch TV and on the weekend. Um, I didn't know how this would go down. And my six-year-old said, is that everyone? So you can't do it either. We're like, yep, that's what we're going to try. We're going to trial it and see how we go. And then the trial never ended because our mornings were calmer. Like there was no TV zombie children in the mornings. 
it means they get a little bit of extra sleep and they can go out and play afterwards. The afternoons were calmer because they were outside playing, interacting with each other. There's probably more washing for dirty clothes being on a farm. And the whole evening ran smooth. My husband and I talked more in the evening. We'd both be laying in bed reading a book um, rather than one of us being in a different room Mm. or on an iPad. So there were so many benefits for us. But again, we've adjusted over time. So now the kids have 20 minutes of iPad time after school on a weekday. COVID times, the rules get blown out the window. (laughs) Anyone's on ISO, they get extra time on TV during the week. So it's about being flexible, being adaptable and notice what the impacts are of doing something that we all feel happier having less TV during the week. And that's a, a really good way to find that extra time in your week. Bridget, if people are listening to this getting super inspired like I am, what's a good place to start if they're wanting to sort of overhaul life, (laughs) the way that they structure their days, I suppose? Get some data. So I talk about stop, focus, notice, stop doing the same thing over and over again. We're such on autopilot. And I would love people to think about how they're actually spending a 24-hour period of time and just jotting some notes down in their notes section of their phone. But just on the micro level, just from the moment you wake up one day, write down what time it is to the moment potentially you start work or put the kids on the school bus and see what actually happens in that time and who's actually doing it. Are you doing everything for your kids? If you stop focus notice, are there elements of your morning that other people can do? Do you take all the cooking responsibilities and choosing the food and the grocery shop? Are there different elements your husband can do? And I know there's lots of rural listeners and my husband's a traditional farmer, ex-shearer, but he's the baker in our family. So he's the one making the cakes for shearers. He's the one making bulk batches of sausage rolls to put in the freezer. Like, You don't have to keep going with those societal expectations that a woman needs to do everything. And our job is to raise capable adults. So we need to be embedding these habits and teaching our kids these skills. My kids can do loads of washing being eight and 10. They don't do it all the time. But I had four days in Adelaide for a a thriving women's conference and they survived. There was a lot of extra dad treats that they got, but they had to keep their house tidy. The kitchen was tidy when I got home. So the first step I would encourage people to do is take the time to get the data and see how you're spending the time and then sit down with another 1% of your day, another 15 minutes and seeing what tweaks you can make and changes you can have there. And another thing I'd love people to do is actually talk to their friends about different things and how other people are doing things. Because I think we think everyone's doing it like we are, but we can learn so much from other people and see what they're doing and yeah, maybe what their kids are doing and we can slowly get them to take on yeah, some different ways of doing stuff. How have you dealt with resistance? Oh, there's always resistance. <laughs> Good to hear. <laughs> My so-and-so's friends don't have to do that or so-and-so's friends have a phone. That's the biggest one at our house at the moment. And it's about having the boundaries and being strong. And there's consequences for us not looking after the animals on our farm. And there's consequences if our, um, our house isn't tidy and you just need to do it. And it's being strong and making the kids go back to the bathroom and put the clothes in the laundry basket rather than thinking, oh, it'd just be quicker for me to pick it up and put it away. And it will be a teething process. Any change is hard for anyone, let alone children that don't have fully formed prefrontal cortexes, which is our logical thinking part of our brain. So if you want to make a change, 
there's going to be some resistance and there's going to be some challenge. But think about future you in 12 months' time. What you're doing now will impact you for going forward. Yeah, and I say to my clients, a year from now, you'll be so grateful you started today. Don't let another year pass before you do start. You've mentioned that you work with some international clients. How has that come about? Podcast. <laughs> yeah, so the, the beauty of podcast is people can hear more about what you're doing. So I was on a podcast from an, an Irish woman who now lives in Australia and some of her family and past friends um, heard a podcast over there, so connected through that. And then I also have some New Zealand clients in my um, online group course as well. And so, yeah, it's so interesting to always see the statistics and I need to ask more often how people hear about me, but I definitely know that the international ones are hearing from podcasts that, yeah, infiltrate the whole world. So it's so beautiful to be able to get into people's ears. And I really encourage people to, if they are doing doing hard things like decluttering, organizing, cleaning, or even out walking to listen to podcasts. It, it makes doing some of the harder things of decluttering and organizing that little bit easier. And you can have a professional organizer in your ear as you're going through. <laughs> so what's the best way for people to find you or to explore some options and ways of engaging with you? Yeah, so besimplyfree.com.au is my website. My favourite social media is Instagram, so be.simplyfree um, on Instagram and stories is my play- favourite place to hang out. And I'm really conscious of having the let's be real moments on there as well, sharing some of the, the challenges and things like that. It's not about having a tidy home all the time. So I really encourage people and share the, the dirty kitchen that I leave some mornings before I go off to work and the kids go to school, but it's normally tidy in an evening. So I encourage people to, to be real and follow along on Instagram through my favorite place. And then there's also a private Facebook group that's open to everyone, which also has six videos if people want to start their decluttering journey of um, the stop, focus, notice strategy and some steps they can start to declutter their kitchen, their office, their bedroom and their linen cupboard. So they were filmed during one of our South Australian lockdowns, but they're Mm -hmm. all less than 1% of your day to watch and can get you started in there. So yeah, and if that interests them, they can reach out we can work one-on-one or in my group course, Clear Clutter Find Time, because I don't want people to organize, for organizing some to organize the purpose so they can free up time to do more things that bring them joy. Fascinating talking with you, Bridget. I've loved every minute of it and can't wait to hear more from you for our Daily Routines podcast. But thanks so much for sparing me some time this morning. <laughs> Thank you. I loved it. So did you learn a thing or two there? I just found it so interesting how Bridget came to be doing what she's doing and her approach to kind of give meaning to good organisation and the way that she does it with her children. I've certainly already, since talking to her, (laughs) tried to implement some of those tricks in my household as well. You can find Bridget at besimplyfree.com.au or on Instagram at be.simplyfree. She's also there on Facebook under the same name. She has a one-on-one online course, Clear Clutter, Find Time, 
and also can speak with you if you're interested in person or on her online workshops. Thank you so much for listening to Company. As I mentioned at the beginning, the best way to keep in contact with all the happenings for the Manson Podcasting Network is via our free weekly newsletter, Company on Sundays, companyonsundays.substack.com. Thanks for tuning in. I'll be back with you next week.